Hey, welcome again to the podcast, and this week is an exciting week as a continuation of Steve Addison's repertoire of books being released. Steve is a great friend of mine. Uh, we've been walking together decades now, and it was actually Steve that really uh, helped clarify some of my focus in movement as we belong to the same church and same movement. We've moved in one another's spheres for years, and I love Steve and Michelle and uh, their their mission, and he's been a constant source of encouragement to me. And uh, I read every one of his books when they come out, and this week, big news, exciting news, that the next book is being released, Acts and the Movement of God. And you want to get hold of this book, and you want to uh, have a read, because if there's one foundational book, well, two actually, we have the Gospels and we have the Book of Acts, put them together, you've got dynamite, you've got it just there. And that's where we start as we look at movements. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Well, thanks for that introduction, Dave, and it's good to be with you. We're, we're just thrilled, and uh, I hope as uh, as people listen to this podcast that they can uh, they can walk away both encouraged through a reflection on Acts and and your new book, but also walk down the shop and uh, and go grab one of these books or go get on Amazon or wherever it's for sale. Where will it be for sale, Steve? Well, it'll certainly be on on Amazon and. Um uh, and those that uh, are in Australia, uh, Kurong will get it in. Um, so let's put it this way, wherever good books are sold, it'll be available. <laughs> that's, that's great. And uh, Steve, uh, you and I love the Book of Acts. Um, you've been diving in deep over the last year or so, uh, really forming this book and um, – not the book of Acts, of course. Luke did that, but your your book. <laughs> so, Steve, um, who wrote this book and why was it written? Okay. Well, I, I like to start with just with an image of what Luke is. If most people agree it was uh, Luke, you know, one of uh, Paul's uh, co-workers who, who wrote Luke and Acts. There's one story in two halves. It's just... The, uh, the scroll only uh, spread so far, so he's got two books. And what he's trying to do is, is the image I use is, you know, here we are, we're on a platform. You know, you probably first time you went to London or first time I went to London, I'm on the platform, I'm about to step on the train so it can take me to my destination. And all of a sudden I hear over the PA, you know, mind the gap. <laughs> and I got terrified. I thought, what's this gap? Where is it? You know, and it took me a little while to realize, you know, it's mind the gap between the platform and the train. You know, I was a bit of a slow learner. And and that's what that's what Luke's saying to us. You know, there's a gap between our current experience. We're on the platform. And then there's this movement of God, the train that's on the move, and you've got to step over that gap and enter into the movement of God, God's purposes, or you're forever going to be stuck in your current experience. And so he's writing to the next generation um, and, and with other generations in mind, saying this is how it was at the beginning. Guess what? It can still be like that today because the mission hasn't ended. And there's another big reason is because Acts isn't so much about, well, what methods did they use? We'll just copy their methods and get the same result. 
Acts is about God. God hasn't changed. So the same God who did these things in the book of Acts, he's still on a mission throughout the rest of history and and that's the phase we're all in now. So how do we get back to God's purposes? How do we catch that train, which is the movement of God in our generation? That's why why Luke wrote and and why I wanted to take a fresh look at the book of Acts. It's really um, stark in the sense of if people listen to current or commentary about the book of Acts, sometimes it almost can be like, well, this is a bit of a fairy tale or this is something that happened way back then. And even commentators or people that talk or preach say it's really – not for today, but we can't also draw solid doctrine out of this book. And so they're caught in a limbo of not sure what to do with the book of Acts because it's not informing current practice and we can't really draw any solid theology, you know, out of this book. So what do we do with it? Oh, well, there's some good stories there and let's, let's, let's skip over into the letters of Paul, but, um, what what is what has the book of Acts got to do with us today? And I'm sure we'll get to that later in the podcast as as we draw into this. But um, Steve, as as you started to uh, look at this, um, and the the big question is not what this is how it was, but the big forward leading question is this is how it can be today. You know, um, as you started to look into the book of Acts. What's changed in you, Steve, as you what's what's happened with you? What's what's the spirit been speaking to you as you wrote this book? Well, that's a good question, because I I just remember when I was first a believer and, um, you know, my first big sort of diving into Acts is I wanted to know about the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, and so I sort of marked every reference to the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts and. Or when I first um, got into the whole space of movements and I, I just wanted to learn about movements and what are those practical lessons in the book of Acts? How do we model, how do we reproduce what they did today? And so that was a whole second period of my life. But really it's it's been the last, you know, probably four or five years that I've been really going at Acts and I'm realizing, I mean, it's legitimate to, to, to look at Acts through those different themes. But there's one big theme. You know, it's, it's not just Acts of the, the Apostles because uh, a lot of what happens, they're just catching up to what God's already doing. You know, they, Peter, Peter doesn't end up at Cornelius' house sort of knowing what to do. He gets dragged by the ear. <laughs> And then the Lord shows it, you know. So it's not, that's just a name we gave that book. It's not the acts of the Holy Spirit because you see the risen Lord at work. You see the Father's plan unfolding. So I think the book of Acts is um, the acts of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the big shift for me in this last four or five years is to realize this, the main character of this book is the living God who has a mission and a purpose that he calls us into. And I think that's important because if you just read the Holy Spirit texts, right, then you're just going to think all we need to do is 
uh, 24-7 prayer and worship and, and the mission will get done automatically and Jesus will come back. But that's, I mean, they do 24-7 prayer and worship, but they just happen to be in a prison and it's the middle of the night because they've been proclaiming the gospel. Um, so the prayer is the prayer of a movement, a group of people on the move, proclaiming the gospel, making disciples. But at the same time, you could jump across. It's all about the spread. of, And Acts is all about the spread of the word. That's the dynamic force throughout tying the whole book together. And, you know, we talk about we need to multiply disciples. Uh, but Acts never says that. Say, so, wait a minute, they do multiply. Yes. But this is this is what Acts, this is Luke's terms. The word multiplies. The word spreads. The word grows. You know, how does the word of God multiply, spread, and grow? Is this sort of dynamic force, sort of it's the engine room of the whole story. Well, wherever the word goes, the fruit, the overflow of that word. Are disciples and churches to the glory of God. So they do multiply, but we've got to get beyond, you know, it's like this, oh, well, if every disciple made one disciple and then, then, then we'd have a chessboard and we'd put a bit of rice on it and all of a sudden there'd be seven billion. But that's not what Luke's saying. It's not about you just multiplying. It's about the word of God does the work in the power of the Holy Spirit. Through, through these messengers who are buffeted about, right? It's the word and the spirit achieving the mission. It's the word that multiplies, but the overflow of disciples and communities of disciples to the glory of God. Um, so that's where I've landed now <laughs> in how it's impacted me. And a great burden has lifted off my shoulders that, Steve, you just got to multiply, you know, as though it's some mathematical formula. No, you, you need to minister God's word, to, to share it, to gather around the scriptures with people who are seeking or who are learning to follow Jesus and let that word do the work through God's people. Wow. Wow. The, um, the idea of the word of God uh, is really worth pursuing because the um, book of Acts in that time, they didn't have what we would call the New Testament. And, and, and yet Luke is talking about the word multiplying, the word growing, the word spreading. And they're just still forming in those days what we call now the, the New Testament in particular. They had the Old Testament. But um, why don't you draw that out a bit? Um, what are the various ways of looking at this term, the word of God, and why why is it so powerful? Well, obviously, especially in the Gospel of John, Jesus is the embodiment of the word of God. Um, but for Jesus, when he talks about the word of God, he, he I've come to fulfill the scriptures. For him, it is the written text of the Old Testament, you know. So when the disciples have been decimated at the cross, they're, they're, they're discouraged, they're defeated, they're dismal, <laughs> the risen Lord pulls them back together and he says, let's get out our Old Testament, uh, Moses, the Psalms and the prophets, and for the next 40 days we're going on a journey through the Word. So he, he doesn't have the New Testament. 
He could just speak as the risen Lord, but he says, no, we're going to the text. And I'm going to show you in this book how the Messiah had to come and suffer and rise again and how this gospel, it's another word for the word, this message of salvation through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, it's going out, it's going to, the fruit of this gospel will be repentance and forgiveness of sins and it's going out to every place and to every people group. So he grounds the whole mission of God in the what we call the Old Testament. And that's why, you know, it's nice that through the apostles' teaching that this, this gets written down and, and all of that under the inspiration of the Spirit, and so the New Testament is forming during this time. And, and Luke, one of the reasons Luke's on Paul's team is Paul's, Paul doesn't really, he doesn't tell parables and all of that in terms of his epistles. But Luke and others are there, and they're, they, they're learning the stories that Jesus told. And the new believers are learning those stories and passing it on to others. So there's a fluid side. You know, it's this gospel message. It's Jesus in the flesh. It's the Old Testament and then the New Testament. The, the key foundation for this is sin entered the world when we placed our word above God's word, his written word, embodied in Jesus. And wherever the movement of God is on the rise, it's because his word is supreme, not locked away in the classroom, in the seminary, in the midweek Bible study, but it's out in the, literally with Paul, it's in the marketplace, it's in the prison cell, it's in the synagogue. So this is why the, it's that living word of God, that 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 flung the universe into existence, uh, backed up by the presence and the power of the Spirit who inspires the Word. And, and that's how God's mission moves forward. That's fantastic, Steve. The Word of God being, you know, Jesus in person, the Word of God being the written Word. I've heard it often saying the Word became words. <laughs> and uh, uh, that is a really nice way of looking at it, the word having authority uh, to rule and reign and as being recorded. It's the message of Jesus spreading virally from one community to another. And, um, yeah, wherever we see movements um, uh, and growth of discipleship happen, the word is is in a place of authority over us. We are not over the word, it's the word is over us. And uh, you see that in movements, don't you, where, you know, f- for example, looking at, say, the primitive Methodist movement and and they had the word of God being preached and and a very, very high value of the word of God, but somewhere as at the peak of their movement, liberal kind of thoughts came in about uh, the word being uh, not true and uh, being compromised, and then you just see the decline of the movement. So ha- happening with liberal theology, and especially in their regards to how they view the Word of God. And, uh, yeah. And, and it, Dave, it's still happening today. And so we've, we've seen in, in the Western world um, people who once believed in the authority of God's Word are uh, are being tempted to bow the knee to, to secular culture and to 
to change or undermine what the scriptures teach about human sexuality and marriage and identity, those sorts of things. And irrefutably, this always leads to the demise and the downfall of once great movements. Uh, It'll take a while to work out, but that's what happens. But then out on the fringe, you have these crazy people who resist the surrounding culture and say, no, we're not legalists, but this is a living word that, that, that we will place our lives and our, our community under and we will learn just as, because this is the lesson Jesus is learning in his baptism and wilderness testing. He's, he's surrendering to the, the authority of his father's word and saying, even if it results in the cross, I'll go to that place. Uh, of of obedience, he he learned obedience uh, through the things that he suffered, but he triumphed even when it didn't make sense to obey that word because of his love for the Father. It's expressed in faith and obedience, and this overturns the work of you know of Adam and Eve who who decided, oh, no no, our word trumps, or we'll reinterpret God's word uh, to mean certain things. Uh, so it's an ongoing uh, test. It's a, it's a strategy of the enemy is always to undermine his word. Um, but it's not just the word, as I said, for existing belief. You know, there's, there's one recorded message to believers in the book of Acts, in, in Acts 20 to the Ephesian elders. Every other message proclaimed in the book of Acts is, is for unbelievers. So that's, it's the word getting out into the world that, uh, that really drives a movement, um, word, spirit, and that core missionary task of making disciples. That's the engine room of a movement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Those three big core rocks, values, themes, whatever, whatever we call them. Yeah, I was really looking at Psalm 1 just uh, yesterday and it said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all he does prospers. And then it goes on um, uh, of the wicked and the sinner. Um, but, you know, the idea that uh, the word pushed me straight into John 15 when, you know, you abide in me and my words abide in you. And and the, the, the discourse on obedience and transformation, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. The, the idea that, you know, fruitfulness – really comes as we we live in the living word we obey the word it's living in us and like jesus said it's like a seed that's planted in our lives and starts to grow and consume us and for to be fruitful it's not to be squashed by the concerns of the world but to 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 grow and consume us and to to become the that living word um that's really amazing so yeah, that's God's shaping the life of Christ in us through his word. Mm, mm, yeah. And so you're saying, you know, as you looked at the that it was the work of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's the 
the living word, both written and in the person of Jesus and in the message that spreads from community to community. Um, how do you how do you think that that applies for us as we start to look at movements? Most people listening to this podcast will have been in the movement space for some time. They're very familiar with movements there. A lot of people who are listening here, Steve, are, you know, are, are getting up in the morning, they're they're praying, they're going out into neighborhoods, they're they're trying to share the good news with their friends and family and and communities and planting groups and looking at multiplication. Um how does this land for us in those kind of workers who who really are living it out, whether they're in full-time ministry or they're just they're not just doing it as bivocational, they're doing this as as they're doing their their other work. Um yeah, what's what's some of those key themes of the word of God and God working that we need to be picking up from? Well, I think uh you want to ground it in some of the important themes of, of Acts, and we've talked about the word, but of course the story of Acts soon gets on to the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit, note, comes upon every believer. And Luke's careful to say, you know, it's young men and, <laughs> and young women, it's old, older women and older men, it's, it's rich and poor. Everybody gets the Spirit. And now, if you're Paul, you'd probably be talking about, yeah, well, now you have salvation, have the Spirit within you. But Luke's saying, yeah, but what's the Spirit for? And he has mission on his mind. He says the Spirit is given. The power of the Spirit comes upon you. So you will be Jesus' witnesses to the ends of the earth. And you realize, wow, so it's not just the apostles. It's not just, you know, the, the acknowledged leaders. But every believer has this Holy Spirit who's not just transforming you personally into the likeness of Christ and, 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 and giving you that assurance of salvation, but it's that Holy Spirit has empowered you to make disciples. Now, people hear that and they think, well, Steve, you know, I'm not an evangelist. Well, evangelists make very poor disciple makers. <laughs> you know, they find lost people. <laughs> and they, but they're, typically they're moving on to the next lost person. <laughs> Quick, you do something with them. So Jesus is not talking about the gift of evangelism here. When the Spirit comes upon us, he's saying, you know, it takes the whole body of Christ to make a disciple. And you, this is part of your calling. You say, well, am I meant to go to the ends of the earth? Well, maybe you are because that's why the Spirit's given. But certainly the messengers, the people of God, are meant to go to every place and every people group. Now, you may not be called right now to, to physically move your location, but you're part of a movement that wants to touch every neighbourhood and, and all those people groups who are moving in from other parts of the world if you're in a Western city. So to know that this ministry of um, connecting, sharing the good news about Jesus, of teaching someone to walk in obedience to the Lord Jesus, you know, building Christian community around disciples, all of those jobs. That's all of our responsibility. And so we shouldn't be surprised that sometimes it's apostles that are kicking down the doors and going into new places. Sometimes it's just, you know, who's Philip? Well, he was waiting on tables and organizing food to the, the needy widows and the like. 
but without any approvals from Jerusalem, you know, persecution pushes him out and all of a sudden there's a breakthrough there in Samaria. And then there's, there's men and women, we don't even know their names. It just says, you know, certain disciples went up to Antioch or went to the Phoenician coast or up to the, you know, what's, what's Ananias when Paul gets to Damascus? There's disciples up there. We don't know who, who uh, led those people to Christ and planted the churches and all of that. It, typically, it's ordinary people. We don't know who, who, who took the gospel to Rome. It was there long before Paul ever got to Rome or Peter got to Rome. So here's a calling that, that rests upon us all, and we're given the word and the spirit and one another as a missionary force, as a missionary movement, not just settled but always looking. How do we break into the next community, to the next people group? Because... This, you know, till Jesus comes back, this thing is going to the ends of the earth. Mm, mm. Wow, that's just so powerful. And the idea that the word of God is God's work, but every believer, every everyone is empowered by the spirit. Everybody gets to play here. Everybody uh, is is part of the story. And, um, and uh, as I sit here, I go, that's so encouraging for me personally, you know, but also, do you just go, well, uh, who am I that God would use me? And that's the point. Uh, God God says, yes, who are you? Let's go. <laughs> In fact, the, the Lord bypasses qualified people. Or a qualified person like Paul, he's first got to unravel him before he will. And this is the other key thing. You know, this the word never takes a backward step. In the book of Acts, it, it never gets pushed back. But <laughs> the messengers are get beat up. They they're in shipwrecks. Uh, you know, Paul gets you know swims to shore, and then like an Indiana Jones movie, you know, he, he's he's gathering firewood because they've just almost drowned and they're drenched, and a snake just pops out <laughs> of the fire and bites him. It's like, doesn't this guy ever get a break? You know. So in, in throughout the book of Acts, the, the, the witnesses face trouble again and again, and often it's persecution because they're real clear about who, you know, they could have shut down the persecution in Jerusalem. If they, they can heal people, they can feed the poor, they can teach people the Bible, they just can't talk about Jesus. And if they just stop talking about Jesus, just heal someone, don't heal them in Jesus' name, just teach the Old Testament, the Bible, but don't talk about Jesus. If they would just be nice, <laughs> they'd be fine. But they want to talk about Jesus, so there's persecution. Uh, and for Paul, you know, um, there he is in the middle of a, a shipwreck and and yet all of this, you know, God's revealing his glory through the weakness of his messengers. That's why Paul said, I just delight in trouble, <laughs> in my limitate, not in his sin, but in my limitations. I delight. I delight in four years, two years in Caesarea, four years uh, in Rome, shipwreck in between. Uh, I delight in all that because guess what? I'm, I'm going to get to stand before the emperor and I'll be in chains. This is God's emissary to the head of the Roman Empire. He'll be in chains. 
and have a chance to share the gospel. You know, and so we we got to embrace the power of God, the victory of God, the victory. But remember, you know, we follow a crucified Messiah. And so we're going to experience both his death and his resurrection in this life. And you think, you know, I, I was sort of pondering on, on the murder of Stephen. I mean, it's stoning. I wouldn't like to be stoned, you know, as yeah. <laughs> rocks pelting down. But... And, and people think, if, oh, could I, could I face suffering? Could I face torture or death? And it's the wrong question to ask. Because for Stephen, he came through that moment victoriously. Why? It's not he's naturally courageous or tough or a low threshold of pain or whatever. He sees the Lord Jesus, the risen Son of Man, who, who is going to come and judge the world at the right hand of God. That's his vision as the rocks come piling down. And that's a secret to Paul and Silas, you know, singing in the prison in the middle of the night. They don't know God's going to do a great, you know, an earthquake and rescue them and the jail gets saved and all of that. But they're with the Lord Jesus in those tough times. And that's what brings them through it, not their own resolve and, and natural courage, um, but the grace of God in that, that. And that's what Jesus promised them. He said, I'll be with you when it happens. That's great, Steve. And the, the theme of hardship and persecution being right through the book of Acts from the beginning to the disciples huddled in fear <laughs> as Jesus turns up to to the end of of, of persecution and Paul in chains. Uh, amazing. Um, I'd love you to draw this out. You're listening to the podcast as, with Steve talking about his book, Acts and the Movement of God. Uh, as you listen to this, I hope you're encouraged to go and grab a copy. Um, Steve, draw out that theme for us of um, – Hardship and persecution, because it's not something we we love to uh, hear about or we think, man, I'm just going to jump into the movement space and then suddenly we find ourselves not in control almost, you know, things starting to happen and I say, hang on, this is not what I expected. I didn't, I didn't want to struggle here. Um, yeah, draw that out a bit for us. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of a, a brother and, and his wife and family in Ukraine right now, in the middle of a war zone. They're not in Kiev, but they're, they're, they're in Ukraine. And the war breaks out and uh, all they could think of, we, we've got to provide a temporary accommodation and food for people. Uh, and hundreds would show up. Uh, to have their needs met, and they're very happy to do that. But one day the, the local authorities said, look, you've got up to a 1,000 people lining up for, for food and assistance. They're a target for a missile. <laughs> you know, could you please stop doing this? And at that point, you know, David and his team sort of said, well, what are we doing after all? You know, we, we still will provide as much as we can to people in need, but... You know, people had been in and, and had taught them how to do Discovery Bible with others. And so they jumped online in their city and said, look, we, we can't do the handouts like we used to do, but would anyone like to come and just sit around a table and read the Bible together uh, and see what it has to say and, and, and what it means for our lives in the midst of this disaster? 
and they put a limit on it. So only 200 people showed up for that. <laughs> and they discovered, you know, the whole world had changed around the Ukraine. And now, you know, if one in a hundred previously was responsive, now it was one in 10. Wanted to know more about how we can learn to follow Jesus by reading the Bible together. And, you know, sometimes we labor away and we say, Lord, this is slow, hard work. You're learning the skills and getting the experience and the spiritual maturity where when God is ready, he can drop you into a situation where there will be fruitfulness. And those groups are still going on. They're reproducing. They're spreading around Ukraine. And they're just a bunch of ordinary believers who are there uh, to represent the Lord Jesus, and he's leading them one step at a time. So you read the book of Acts, and you'll see, what, what did, well, in the Gospels and Acts, what did Jesus do? What did he train the 12 to, to do? And what did the early church do in the power of the Holy Spirit? And, and, and you find, okay, how do we express that today? Connecting with people sharing with people, reading the Bible, learning to follow Jesus with other people and training them to do the same. So even if it's you feel like it's slow going, Lord, and we've got obstacles, all of that, do what he's given you to do in your situation. Trust the results to him because he is sovereign and Lord over history. We don't know what the next year is. Are, are, are going to, how they're going to unfold. But I, I think we're, we're headed for some troubling, turbulent times. So let's be ready. Let's be about the Master's work as we wait for Him to return.